0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from the Apple. Back with me after a long nba size season time away. I'm thrilled to welcome back my good friend, the producer of Nick's Film School on Blue Line Pods and the producer of Simply Amazing, Andrew Claudio. Andrew, welcome back, buddy. How goes it?
1: It goes well, Tim. Thank you for having me. I hate to jump in with a correction already at the beginning, it is the Blue Wire podcast, oh, Network, not Blue Line Pods, but I was uh, watching
0: hockey today, that's understandable.
1: Ah, uh, so the Blue, oh, look at you up 1
0: in the conference finals! You excited, oh, huge! Oh, my goodness, huge! Yeah, but that's a big win to take one in in, in Tampa. That's uh, yeah, that's so, that, that's huge.
1: I know that you lean analytics, which can take some of the emotion out of games and, and of sports. In particular, do you buy any of this little brother wave that's happening in New York at the moment between the Nets? Although we'll see what happens with Kyrie's injury. The Islanders about to be now seven wins away from winning the Stanley Cup and our Metsies, regardless of how people want to overreact to today's loss, are starting to look like a pretty formidable contender in the National League, let alone in all of baseball. Setting it up perfectly for the New York Jets (laughs) To go on the run of our lives with quarterback phenom Zach Wilson (laughs) in the fall.
0: Yeah, um, you know it's always kind of been that uh, that little brother thing, and there's been spurts of you know uh, activity, I guess you could say. And you know what was it? I guess sixty nine. Yeah, the Mets, sixty nine seventy
1: Mets, Jets, Knicks, all winning a championship in fourteen months.
0: Yeah, there you go. I mean, it happens, so that would certainly be cool. I mean. I'm excited for the Jets. I'm not a Jets fan, but I'm certainly excited for them. Uh, it was tough to see the Knicks go out early. They had a very, very exciting year. Uh, I think Atlanta just kind of turned it on. Who's their coach? McMillan? Uh, Nate McMillan. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, the work he's, he did there was really impressive. And, you know, I think the Knicks are, are going to get there soon. As far as the Nets, you know, this is the best team money could buy. Let them, uh, let them make their run.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, I picked the Bucks before the series. I picked the Bucks uh, to win the conference before the playoffs. So, you know, we'll see Um, it's trending that way. Now, Uh, my my son's pick looks even even better. And I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't put a little shekels on that (laughs) as well. Um, But yeah, it's 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 good to take a little break from the NBA to talk about the Mets. I watched so much baseball this weekend (laughs) compared to the amount of baseball I've watched the last four months because I've been working with the Knicks or with Knicks Film School. Um, Yo, this DeGrom guy. Like, <laughs> how about him? You ever heard
0: of him? He's like, he's like really good at, yeah. at baseball, at pitching. Hey, you know, sometimes you got to take a chance on these projects that from uh, a shortstop in college, you know, uh, you, you put the time in, look what you get.
1: The best way I could put it. And I said this on our Saturday morning locker room with uh, with Nick's film school. It's like that guy from 2018 that had a one seven O ERA now throws 100 miles an hour with consistency. Yeah. And it's it's the exact same pitcher, the exact same location, the exact same. All the metrics are the same. He's still as unhittable, but his fastball is faster, which yeah. I don't want to like hijack your show. But yeah. I have to ask as a baseball historian, Tim, where is this? Where does this rank? Because I, I always go to Pedro for best I've ever seen. And then a close second is Randy Johnson. DeGrom's thrown 64 innings this year and given up four earned runs and driven in five. This is becoming unprecedented. And I'm, I'm trying to not overreact with a hyperbolic uh, phrase or, or or statement about this season. But it's getting to the point where it's hard not to put into context that this is headed toward one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a starting pitcher. No.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, th- I think that what he's been doing the past few years, um, it's been a precursor to kind of what we're seeing now, the ad- adding velocity and, you know, that's just a testament to his work. I think he's, you know, he doesn't let on too much, but I think he's put a lot of work into the biomechanics side of things and kind of maximizing his potential, just using his body. Um, and, and you could tell just by what happened on Friday, he knows his body so well, and mm-hmm. we'll get into that a little bit later. But as far as historical, like, trying to measure this up against anything, there's, there's really nothing. And I think it's come to the point where everybody understands that w- what they're seeing now is something that's, you know, in 150 years of the game has never been done. Yeah. It's, um, it's special. And and now that it's getting, you know, it gained national attention when you got back to back Cy Young's, but you know, people had seen that before, um, this level of dominance where he's at what point zero, uh, 0.56 ERA through 10 starts. Um, you know, that's just delirious. No matter what's happening in baseball this year with the offense, um, you know, when the next closest guy isn't even sniffing DeGrom, you know, you know that you're just watching absolute greatness. And, you know, we've seen a lot. We've seen Verlander. We've seen Kershaw. We, I mean, you can even go back to Clemens, even though he might not have been clean the whole time. Um, <laughs> and Pedro, Pedro, 99 2000. You said it. I mean, that's the high watermark of. Just I'm um, it doesn't even matter what I'm throwing. I can tell you what I'm going to throw you. I'm going to get you out every single time. That's how good I am. And that's what the Grom's doing. And it's uh, it's amazing. It's it's simply amazing.
1: There Ooh. you go. Look at you. <laughs> you host a podcast. Well done. <laughs> so are we going to be positive on this show today? I know I don't really dabble in Mets Twitter anymore because. Oh, good. Because Nick's Twitter is hostile enough. Um,
0: (laughs) I saw I've got a little little negative today about the loss. Where do you want to start today? Well, um, I was going to start from the beginning. Uh, We were going to recap in the second half, but yeah, let's go ahead and start it from the top because it's right. It's kind of in the uh, in everybody's wheelhouse right now. So on Sunday, um, of course, I'm going to save the Lucchese talk for the second half because I'm very, very pleased with where he's at. But Louis Rojas made a, um, a gaffe, a, 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 a strategic error, if you will. Um, so Jerry's familiar, who's been awesome this year. He worked around two base hits in the sixth. Uh, escaped with a, a Manny Machado-aided double play, which, hey, if Manny's not going to hustle, I still really like Manny. But, um, yeah, if he's not going to hustle, we'll always take that double play. And he struck out Will Myers. Just, It was huge. Um, We know that the bullpen was really short after Diaz, Lugo, and Loop all worked consecutive days. Castro was taken out Friday with a stiff neck. Rojas said that was from Sleeping Weird on the plane uh, on Sunday after the game. So, you know, Rojas needed two. We get that. Um, After a leadoff walk to Hosmer in the seventh, Cronenworth single, you know, the path is pretty much clear at that point. Familia doesn't have it. You've got a one-run game. You know, Barnes is warming, but apparently he's not 100% ready. Um, Familia strikes out Grisham, loses Jerickson Profar after mm-hmm. getting ahead 0-2, which is, to Profar's credit, was a, a rock solid at bat, Just absolutely stood there and did not bite at a couple of really, really nasty sliders. Nice at that. But Andrew, at that point, with Barnes ready and Familia clearly gassed, how on earth does he stay in the game to face Fam? We're not even talking about Tatis yet. How is he staying in to face Fam?
1: So it's funny. I actually, I actually give Rojas more of a pass today than I do for like some of the other things that people have gotten on him for. Some of his in-game decisions throughout the year. Yeah, I think the order was a bit wrong. But if like Barnes is the option, and the the first thing he was gonna do was like, I don't have that much confidence in Jacob Barnes anyway, you know, as a middle reliever. Um, I think we might've just gotten the result that we were destined to get anyway. In my mind, I think like, I understand going to Familia in the six I understand pulling Lucchese after five, you know, I, I think, I think, and this might just be more my mentality as a baseball fan and understanding the marathon, of it, that they're just they're just flat out on are not 162 must win games. The first yeah. half of the season, maybe the first 90, as long as you have enough talent to get you to a certain point, you're finding out the fringes like you're figuring out if, if the guys that are, are minor league deals or your your 21st through 25th men are meant to be there and you're figuring that out. So that way headed into July. You're able to see this is where we need to improve. This is what we need to trade for. This is the what we need to look for in the the DFA free agent market in, in August. So I'm actually in a weird way. Like I was frustrated with the loss today, especially if you went today and that's what you got. Was that seventh inning happening the way it did? Yeah, I'd be frustrated. But like, I'd rather find out now that, OK, Familia, you have to put a cap on him at a certain point. Like, he will run out of gas if you try to get six outs from him going forward. He's not Seth Lugo. Jacob Barnes, probably the last possible option you go to. Sure. I would rather have gone to Drew Smith in that point. Please get yeah. uh, Sean Reed Foley up here ASAP. I would like to see him in high leverage situations. so We could sure. figure this out now. So we know going into July whether these are your guys going into the, the trade deadline. Yeah. So long answer to say, yeah, Louie probably should have pulled familiar batter early. But if the alternative option was Jacob Barnes, yeah. I just don't think it would have mattered, I think. And this is where I'll I'll defend Rojas. I think even the most well, because I love you, Tim. And this is a compliment, <laughs> I promise. Even the most optimistic Met fan has to have thought that a losing streak was coming, that all of these bodies that were dropping throughout this season, eventually we were just going to look up and like, listen, they they had talent. This was supposed to be a special year. They're doing this with like nobody that was on the opening day roster. Yeah. See, like they're they're pulling guys named McKinney out of nowhere, and yeah. Mason Williams, Khalil Lee is just up there to get one hit in 20 at bats and 19 <laughs> strikeouts in the other 19 at bats. Um and here they are in first place, the only team in their division, the biggest division lead in all of baseball, which speaks to Rojas finding a way to Keep the screws as tight as possible and plug all the holes. And today was a product of having to, you know, plug those holes so much that one of these games, the floodgate was going to open. Yeah. So that's more where I lean with this that like you took two out of three. It's unrealistic to wear out your, your Diaz, Lugo, loop, your, your more dependable relievers in June. I mean, like even your backup guys, like, like like Villar and uh, McKinney, who have been productive, weren't available today. You know? Yeah. So at a certain point, I think I give Rojas a pass more for like the option was either trust Familia, who's been good this year, yes. to get one more out. and then what are we talking about today, or go to Jacob Barnes, who probably gives up a double to fam and a home run to Tatis and Machado anyway. And that's where I go with this. That's a long answer to say that, yes, I get why Luis Rojas is getting blame for today. I think the fact that he still was able to leave this game with a 32 and 25 first place team is nothing short of a miracle. And that's what I give him credit for.
0: Oh, for sure. And you got to remember, he's only, uh, he's pushing 120 games of his MLB managerial career. It's not even a full season of a, of on the bench yet. So, yeah, you know, and, and plus the fact, like you said, he's dealing with a, a very short deck right now. Um, we know what's worked well in the past after Luke is piggybacking him with a long man. So it doesn't throw off the rest of your bullpen with Peterson going on Monday with no off day. You really can't go to gazelleman You brought up Sean Reed Foley. I think he's the ideal guy to kind of piggyback off, off of uh, Lou If he's only going to go a couple of times through the order, Rojas said on Sunday that could possibly change. They'll explore that option. Um, But until then, I I really like someone who can eat up a couple of innings. And, you know, until Peterson's dependable, that he can give you six every time he goes out, which judging by what we've seen is not a sure thing. I I would, you know, I would kind of like to see Gizelman right after um, Lucchese if Reed Foley's not here. But, um, you know, Barnes gets the call like you said, get shell shocked. Fernando Tatis. That was just amazing to see He's such the most for you, player in for baseball. you. It was amazing to see. Oh, the most amazing player in baseball. Just so freaking. Yes.
1: Exciting. For you, he <laughs> is the most amazing player in baseball. I happen to like this guy named Jacob DeGrom a little bit better.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to get to him in one mm-hmm. second. You were talking about, I guess, the job that Rojas has done. And, you know, as someone without my perpetual level of optimism, um. You know, like you were saying, where the Mets stand right now took two out of three from one of the best teams in the National League this weekend. They're three games up in the, in the division, they got six games in hand over the Phillies, um, and varying degrees of games in hand among the rest of the league. But you know, the bench mob doing their thing, Andrew. We both um remember this era I'm going to talk about very well. We were hosting this show together at the time, but I'm feeling very similar vibes to the second half of 2019. Um, As you remember, the Mets went 46-26 and in the second half that year, uh, just a game shy of the Nationals for best record of the majors over that span. It's a different cast of characters due to the injuries, but the core, in uniform and in spirit, as some some are making their way back, it's still around, and that clubhouse mindset is still looking like it's there. Just full steam ahead, set them up, knock them down, that sort of momentum. Except now it's been reinforced by guys like Lindor, James McCann, Um, you know, the teams had weaknesses and like you were just saying, this team went whole, arguably may not, but I guess my question is, where are the holes in this roster? And with, I guess, question marks, as far as returns, Mm -hmm. um, how fast do you jump into the trade market as far as exploring that world?
1: I think it's impossible to jump in there yet when you have so many backups playing important roles right now. Like you mentioned, you mentioned, 2019. I don't think it can be comparable to that because that second half of the season is when things started to come, come around for that team. All these things that were d- going poorly were now going well. Like Cano started hitting. Um, Alonzo obviously was still doing his thing, but like Rosario started hitting. Wilson Ramos had a hitting streak. Um, right. Seth Lugo did not like give up a base <laughs> no. runner for three weeks in a row. It became like a thing where every single person was now going to have their hot streak. And now it's, I don't want to say that like guys haven't started to perform like, like Lindor has obviously hit better. He still has an OPS under 700 though. I was going to ask you later about the Don Smith stand squad, how things are going these (laughs) days. If we're going to have him hitting, if he's going to have a 900 OPS, I'll live with his defense and left, but I, I have some thoughts, you know, post guys returning from the injured list, what to do with one Dom Smith. Um, having said that, I think this leans more toward 87, if I can go all the way old school with Mets wow. fans, because there were so many injuries to that team and that ball club won 90 games still. And I think, you know, different level of competition in the division right now, and they've been able to plug some holes where they are but I don't think Peraza is a starting second baseman, but I can't say go look for one because I, I have no idea what McNeil is going to be when he comes back. I don't think Villar, maybe not a starting third baseman. I think he should get like somewhat regular at bats. He's at least earned the opportunity to not just give the job to JD Davis when he comes back. But if, there's a Chris Bryant trade to be made, which now I think is ridiculous because I don't think the Cubs, I think the Cubs Never. are going to go for it. <laughs> um, if there's a third baseman to be had, I think you explore that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Nimmo injury, I I would love to say that the that Pilar can be a center fielder on this team. Um, but I think I still like Brandon Nimmo getting on base twice a game, regardless. Is it is it you know? So I, I think it's impossible with the amount of injuries that are, Presenting themselves until we see who comes back and what, who, until we see who comes back and what they are when they come back, it's impossible for me to even explore the trade market right now. I will say, if Noah, like that's a an underrated thing, if Cindergaard's going to be gone long term, um, I almost wonder if this year's just a wash, and then you give him a qualifying offer and see what happens. And then the rotation is actually the the, the which is weird because it's been the big strength of the, that and the bullpen have been the strength of this team so far. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if looking for a starting pitcher is the option or if you want to, you know, go full Tampa Bay with this and look for two relievers and build a super pen. And you're just having a bunch of bullpen days. Maybe that's the option um see so yeah, i i'm I'm nowhere near the trade market yet sure. they, there's so many guys that are gonna come back and hopefully be uh, a positive catalyst once they come uh, yeah. back to the team um which you know will hopefully create some some tough decisions for Louis to make because both their backups and the starters are are gonna be productive
0: see my thing is um without Carrasco for the foreseeable future, you got to hope he's getting close, but it's where is really that long. by the way, what is the latest uh, on Carrasco? He was, uh, he, he wasn't getting strength. He wasn't regaining strength in his leg back enough to start pushing it on the mound. So they gave him a PRP shot, which is like the platelets, I believe. Okay. Um, he was seen throwing at City field this weekend, not off of a mound, just for having catch, having a catch in the outfield. Um, yeah, I think they, they hope that he's close, but I think uh, Zach Scott said last week, I guess it was Friday, that uh, they're hoping for July, but that's still a a shot in the dark.
1: Who's the guy in the minors that you might want to give a shot then? Because I'm at the point with Peterson that maybe it's... Go ahead. ahead. Is it Is that where you're going?
0: Yeah, Thomas Depuckey's had um, an up-and-down go. I guess he got his first shot this year, didn't do so hot, had a decent start his second time out. Um, I still think Peterson gives more of a, I guess, a better option than he does as much as, as inconsistent as he is. Um, his good starts have been okay. And he, he had a couple of really, really good starts too. But um, I think the work that he's done in his kind of mental makeup, I, I, I like him taking progress, but if you're going to start looking around the trade market, I think that starting pitching probably is where you do have to look like you were saying, I guess with the healthy portion of the roster coming back and then guys start, I guess just getting turned over as such, you know, some of the bench models stick around. Like you said, you have VR. Um, Peraza, eh, he's played really, really well. And he's, you know, like he's he was saying player. these guys have earned as much to at least be bench pieces if they're needed, yeah. but the Mets are going to have to figure out what to do with maybe a Jose Peraza or maybe a Brandon Drury soon. You know, they've performed well, capably enough to justify playing time elsewhere for a less contending team. I'd hey. like to see Peraza stick around if possible in a backup role. Like, I, yeah, exactly. That. Yeah. Either, um, you know, but if, if let's say him or, you know, a, f- a few other guys can be packaged with a, a mid level prospect for a, a mid, you know, mid range starting pitcher or something to that effect. You know, I think that's a win moving forward. You get to turn over these pieces. Now you're playing like the Rays actually do or like the Mariners do. I think I just saw the Rays turn over a uh, uh, Hunter Strickland for cash. Like, this is a guy who's been DFA'd by, like, four teams. They Mm -hmm. just traded him for money. Like, you know, I think these are the type of moves you have to look at. Um, I'd say an extra outfielder would be a good course, but, you know, Billy McKinney, man, um, wow. Uh, You know, he's been great. And like you were saying, you got guys coming back. um, Now you get to kind of fill out your bench with who you want and who you think is going to best fill your needs now. And whoever's left, I mean, you know, whether some guys are going to go into the minors or – you know, if you can package a few pieces in a trade with a, you know, a, 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 not a huge aim prospect, I doubt they're moving any of those guys. But um, if you can make a deal to kind of reinforce this roster, yeah, I start looking in earnest a little maybe sooner rather than later.
1: Well, what team is is ready to blow it up that has a starting road, a starting pitcher that you're even willing to well, trade something for?
0: Maybe you got to poke around. Um, you know, I think the, the Reds are still in it. Um, I know there was a little bit of talk. Oh, with Castillo, right? Well, he's had, he hasn't had a great year. Um, but if that's just like change of scenery, sure. With the body of oh, work, definitely by low thing. man, by low, uh, even Sonny gray. I know people say that he can't hold hang in New York, but um, I tend to think he can. Uh, I like how his stuff has improved in recent years, whether Cincinnati is going to part with him. I know they really like him there. That's another question, but yeah, like if it Castillo and the, um, uh, Eugenio Suarez, the third baseman are available in a trade. You know, that's something I, I, I think about doing. I, I don't know what Cincinnati would want back. They have a shortstop. They wouldn't need Mauricio. Um, Beatty's been absolutely on fire. I think that maybe over time, his, his penchant for strikeouts, I think Jacob was saying on the show a couple of weeks ago, um, it might be exposed over time. So maybe you sell high on him. Maybe it can move Vientos. uh, yeah. Yeah. I think they have options as far as with a thin farm system, they could certainly make a deal work if they wanted to go that route. But I think, yeah, I think the rotation would be a, um, a wise place to look, especially if you don't know what's going on with Syndergaard and uh, and Carrasco.
1: When's the last time you look at, you know, Suarez's stats?
0: Uh, is, is he starting slow again this year? Is he He's hitting he
1: 171 yeah. with a 634 OPS. He Negative he's up, he he's up late. Um, he's that's this is in he. This isn't slow start. This is
0: like <laughs> you got to look at his past years.
1: That's the thing. If he didn't have the past years, we'd be looking at it. My point is like maybe I'd, I'd rather have Jonathan VR as my backup. That's that's a
0: very very. I, 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 that's a a very good point. He's been so good um, from a leadership standpoint, from a playing standpoint. You know he's had his moments, but for a guy who hasn't played third base since 2016, and when he did, he was awful. Uh He's been outstanding. Yeah. Um. You know, Guillorme is going to be a Guillorme is back now. He's already making plays. We were at the game on Saturday, man.
1: Um Oh God, that was your your Christmas day, wasn't it? Jeez. Oh, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, in the Andre. building. Part. I went with people from San Diego. They invited me in this. I know because hey. you double dip with us, Tim. Okay. I do. Hey, hey, I, it was good. This whole series, this whole last two series. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is
1: back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro, FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also
0: never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with
1: a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Comcast has built a broadband network with one simple purpose,
0: to keep customers connected every single day. In the last 10 years, we have invested $30 billion and $15 billion since 2017 alone to keep America's largest gig-speed broadband network fast, secure, and reliable. Because more Americans rely on Comcast to stay connected, we work around the clock to build a better network every single day. Comcast. Better today, even better tomorrow. Learn more at comcast.com network.
1: The Fall Line is a true crime podcast covering the
0: coldest cases in the southeastern United States, and occasionally beyond. We focus on the missing persons, the unsolved murders, and the unidentified does
1: that don't get media attention. Empathetic and intensively researched, The Fall Line will take you on deep dives into unsolved cases that you've never heard of, and make you wonder why you haven't. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Cause I was great. Um, mm. yeah, I really enjoyed myself. And every time Guillaume made a, a play, each time he made a great play for like, Oh my God, who is this guy? And I'm like, yeah, that's Luis Guillaume. That's my guy, man. But yeah.
1: Um, I have, I have no comment. I've said enough <laughs> in my life about Luis Guillaume. I am just happy that I was wrong as well. Uh, go it's good
0: that. times, bro. Well, we're going to take a very quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors. Come back and recap, uh, Friday and Saturday, which were, um, very very good for the blue and orange. Take a quick look ahead at the Cubbies. So uh, yeah, hang tight. As we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the Mets took two or three from the Padres this weekend in Queens. They've gone 17 and six at home this season. I believe they are well coming into Sunday. They were tied for the best start in uh, best home start in franchise history with the 72 Mets. I want to say. Uh, mm-hmm pulling that right out of my rear end. But can I I stop you for a second? Because
1: you just said there were 17, there's 17 and six at home. And like I, I mentioned at the top, I haven't watched a lot of Mets baseball this year. I've I've watched like it's more been in the background while I'm doing stuff for for work and and like I have some projects I'm working on also. So I haven't been as in depth with my watching of the Mets, especially back when I used to do like this show with you, obviously I like knew the Mets record, their home record, all the stats, like the back of my hand. I went to Friday's game and I went and looked at the standings. It's like, I know they're in first place. Let me like refresh my memory. And I see that they're 15 and five at home and nobody else has single digit losses at homes this year. And the Mets have five losses at City Field and I'm, all of a sudden, afraid that I'm the reverse jinx, that I'm going to walk into City Field. The Grom's going to lose and it's going to be the beginning of them getting swept. And lo and behold, there's a legitimate home field advantage being built this year, which might make this this summer pretty fun. Now that, you know,
0: attendance is getting boosted. Oh, man. I was telling my, my Padres friends who I was sitting with on Saturday. I'm like, guys, I mean. Thirty-three thousand. It might not sound like it's not full capacity, but boy, thirty-three thousand in this place is—it sure is lively, and it, it, it was. You saw it Friday. I saw it Saturday. Um, the man at the front of this effort, Jacob Degrom, he was back on his game. Uh, tacked on another six earned run, um, six scoreless innings to his twenty-two and a third scoreless inning streak. Do you know the last time Jacob Degrom allowed an earned run? Uh, the Knicks, the Knicks had gone down one nothing to Atlanta the night before.
1: Oh, why did you bring up that? That's because it feels like eons ago, doesn't it? I know it, no, it's the still pain is still. Yes, dude. Oh, no, like, to be honest. Through. I kind of to be honest, I predicted the Hawks would win. So I'm I'm able to look at it from a different perspective. But <laughs> no, I thought you were going to be like the Knicks were starting. Well, I guess they technically were still starting Alfred Payton. Um, uh. Hopes were still high. Hopes were still high. I will say that, it, that <laughs> back then it, it was still like, this is going to be a seven game series. Not we're completely overmatched by this Atlanta team. Regardless. Um, Yeah. The gram has been, we, we opened the show with it. It's, it's becoming one of those seasons that we're going to look back on and talk to like, like this. It's cliche. Tell your grandkids about, yeah. but you know, Every single Barry Bond. Like we, we said, uh Pedro in 99 and 2000. Randy Johnson from 01 to 04. Barry Bonds from 2001 until 2004. Um, there have been special seasons by individuals in this sport. And I th- think we're seeing like a new level from 2018 to now yeah. that DeGrom is hitting. And I mean, golly, if he's going to... Like what's the ceiling on this? Is he going to give up like 10 runs this year? Is that where we're headed? Jacob DeGrom's going to go like 18 and three with a one, one ERA. Is that where we're headed?
0: Well, um, Dutch Leonard who uh, he's already been linked to all the low ERA talks. I think I'm not sure he, he met the qualified starter minimum, which was uh, I think he made 30, some 33 appearances, but only 25 starts he only let up 24 earned runs all season. Mm-hmm. I think Jake's on a pace to let up something like 13 or 12. Um, it could be even less now. I did those figures last week before his last start. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, it just, you know, what he's doing is uh, it, it's unreal. It, it's beyond comprehension at this point. And you're almost waiting to see where he can go with it next. But well, like, go got- a step further, go a step further,
1: Tim. So. Carlos uh, Rodon, Rodon. What? How do you say the guy's name? Rodon. Okay, Uh, he has a one eight nine ERA this year. Yeah. Um, Brandon Woodruff of Milwaukee has a one five two. Yeah. You like every pitcher, Tim. I do, bro. I only think pitchers that wear blue and orange and have stripes. Uh, Notice how I said blue and orange. Um, (laughs) Only players that play for my team are good. Um, Kevin Gosman has a one four three ERA. Lance Lynn. Has a one, two, three ERA. And all four of those guys have more than doubled Jacob DeGrom's ERA this season. Yeah. That's how good he's been. Those four years I just mentioned are unreal seasons, would be yeah. like historically great. And that's how good. Like he's this is demigod great. How good and DeGrom has
0: been. Then you got the rest of the league just, you know, putting fucking crazy glue on their fingers to to try and be like him or try and be Mm -hmm. as good as him. You know, I I don't want to get off topic, but I don't know if you've seen the metrics on on Trevor Bauer's recent starts. I think his last four starts, his ERA is pushing five. He's lost like 250 RPM on his spin rate, on his fastball. Kenley Jansen has lost like 200, 250 RPM on his fastball. I mean, you know, we've heard a lot about the, the, you know, certain teams are pushing these things and it is what it is, but... You know, if you look, we talked about it very briefly in the beginning. But if you look back at Jake's spin rates throughout his career, they've stayed consistent. They've actually even dropped in some areas, um, but they've always stayed right at the same level. Like he's doing this like without a just without a question of doubt. Nothing. It, it just it, it, it's unbelievable. I'm speechless. We've talked about it in depth here so many times in the last three months. We'll keep three months, two years, you know. We'll keep on doing it. He's just that good. But we got a bit of a scare on Friday, didn't we? Didn't we? So
1: if for a moment, yes. When for a brief moment. So I will say this. I know you would have had a different reaction because you love this guy. But when I'm and this was actually like a pretty meaningful Friday for me, um, walking in a city field for the first time in two years, it's hard not to after what's happened over the last two years, get a little emotional. So like I get to my seat, uh, it's my girlfriend and I's first trip to City field. So it's like, it's that kind of thing. Also, she's not the biggest baseball fan, but like loves watching me be happy about something. And I'm explaining all the stats that are up on the board when guys I'm explaining what OPS is. I'm explaining what, you know, how, dude, by the way, and this is not me trying to like mansplain anything or, Talk about me mansplaining something, <laughs> but you know you haven't. I had an out of body moment when Snell balked in the fifth inning, and <laughs> me trying to explain what a balk was was like, oh, this is stupid. Like, why would I ever try to explain this to somebody? And it came to the point where I was just like, well, don't worry about it. It's like, like I felt like if if I went any step further, it would be like, well, it's just a baseball thing. Don't. And I didn't want to be that guy. Point being. <laughs> <laughs> when the Grom gets that hit to make it, make it three, nothing. And then he goes out and gets one, two, three again. And I, I'm like looking at the pitch kind like, of, all right, he said 80 pitches. We might be headed for a special night and like MVP chance coming from my, my section, the entire night, you know, we're standing every, every oh, two strike count and the, the building's electric. And then your boy, Luis, Giorme comes out in the on deck circle with two outs. And it's like, is DeGrom getting taken out? And my first thought was, wow. And I'm talking with Tim on Sunday night. This is going to be my roast of, you know, Luis Rojas being (laughs) way too conservative with the best pitcher in baseball. This is Kevin Cash all over again. (laughs) Then we all get the, like, everybody in my section gets the alert about DeGrom. And we just see arm and injury and tendonitis and it's as if all of the good mojo that we were feeling for six innings, just shot right out. Cause we're trained with N- Mets and for some of us, Nick's PTSD that this is, Oh, so his arm fell off and he's retiring. That's what this <laughs> is actually going to be. Um, but thankfully, like you said at the beginning, he, he knows his body and look, if this just means that the a six going to have to only go until he can't anymore. And he's going to, go six, seven scoreless and then one of the better bullpens in baseball is going to be around. to, you know, pick up the, pick up the slack. I think I'm okay with that going forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jake said he was good and I trusted that. Like we said, you know, he was genuinely honest about everything. He said, you know, he knew what a ligament tear felt like after tearing his UCL very early in his professional career. He's like, it wasn't that, um, basically expressing no concern whatsoever. He actually shared that he does his own ligament tests all the time, which kind of blew my mind. My brother's an athletic trainer. I'm like, is that regular? He's like, a lot of people don't know how to do that, but <laughs> you know, it's possible. Sure. But um, also made me feel a lot better that he's so in tune with everything that's going on. And then on Saturday morning where it be, you know becomes, comes out that he's throwing a bullpen there um, at the stadium, uh, a little while later reports came out of a clean MRI surfacing. So, you know, all, all was well once again. And then I got to go to City Field and then place was fucking rocking.
1: You got to see the Mets hit a couple bombs, too, which was which is awesome. I, I got the only good hit of the day coming from the pitcher. Thankfully, <laughs> I was there to see Jacob. So it, it worked out. Um Yeah. The, the, all in all, a good weekend for the for the Mets. I think if you're going to nitpick on Sunday, fine, because you probably Just don't want to admit that Rojas has done a decent job this year. Go ahead. Um, This is like the one question I had for you when uh, coming into this, Tim, because you have been a on the front lines defender of one Dominic Smith. And look, I'm not like I'm not anti Tom Smith. I do think he's not a left fielder, regardless of how hard he works in the offseason on it. I think he's a first baseman that's. You need his bat in the lineup if he's going to hit like he did during the the abbreviated season last year and parts of 2019. So where's your head right now with Dom, whose OPS remains under under 700, and like I said, is not a left fielder with reinforcements coming back that could potentially be hitting better when they come back too.
0: You know, Dom. Um, he started off very slow, and you know that that was disappointing after the season he had last year. Um, he, he was picking it up. I have I have my figures here in front of me actually. Um he, he was hitting for a, for a span there. I want to say through May. He was right back to where he was. Even recently, I want to say over the last two weeks, he was really right back to where he was, but now he's just maybe over twenty-one now.
1: Over twenty-one um, is this is a stretch, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. So I mean, you know. <sighs> This is the, the the cat and mouse game. If anybody was listening to the last episode with Jerry Blevins, we touched on this a bit. Just the adjustments that between pitchers and hitters, um, weaknesses being exposed, stuff like that. I think that's, you know, probably what Dom's getting caught up in right now early in the season. And even until recently, guys are really pounding him inside. And it, it looked like his bat speed just took a little bit to get there. And he was able to, to attack those inside pitches and, and really do well with them. And now guys are going low with him. now guys are going low and outside with him. now guys are tricking him with uh, with big breaking stuff instead of maybe a change up here. And, you know, a little stuff that he's going to pick up on. I'm sure he already has. I think the Mets hitting coaches have done a really good job with kind of bringing guys through rough patches. And, yeah, I have all the confidence in the world as far as Don Smith at the plate um, in the outfield. That's uh, an adventure. And I think Dom knows that. You know, you have to presume that. You know, despite all the work that he put in to literally force himself into the outfield, and um, his availability this year has been a godsend. I mean, you don't know. You know, if they didn't have, and granted, he hasn't been hitting well, but that's the thing. How much of a godsend has it been? Dom in the lineup is still. It's a regular. It's a regular face, and and even. Even just for for morale, I think that even if he's not hitting Dom in there, and even as Dom the the what an opposing pitcher might see in Dom, even him being in the lineup, it makes them kind of uh, pregame or, or or strategize a little bit differently. Um, yeah, you know, he still brings its pluses. Whether it's a net positive at this point, with you know. Just a shade below average defense. Statistically, he's not playing terribly bad, but yeah, we see that he's not, you know, he's not a left fielder. We see that all the time. And
1: so I think my bigger question here is because McNeil, I think at this point, is a second baseman. But man, if I can't, what VR's done this season, I think he's been better at, been a better defender. At, at third or at second than McNeil has um, at least his bat, I think he he's been better than Dom this year. I don't think that's so, a, that hot to take.
0: So you I'm put saying. you put McNeil in, in left or what least? I'm
1: asking is if Don, if Brandon Newa comes back and still has a 440. OP, oh, on base percentage, if yeah. J.D. Davis comes back and is still hitting 390, you're obviously not going to sit Conforto when he comes back. Although, you know, Conforto will need to also turn it around from the player he was, he was when he got around.
0: Hurt. He was coming around before. My I... point is, like,
1: let's let's see him look like 2019 or more specifically 2020 Conforto. <laughs> if Dom is still struggling, at what point do you start to turn to alternatives? Is this is that even part of yeah. the equation or is no, he allowed to figure it out?
0: I'm OK with that. Dom, okay. Dom thrived in that part time role in 2019, thrived in it. Last year, he took a full-time role and really, really rolled with it. But yeah, I, I'm you know, I'm as a fan, yeah, I'm totally fine with dominant bench role, uh, even as a pinch hitter, which he's pinch hit very, very well in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I, I don't want, I hate to get into a player's mind, but he said it in the past that he's fine doing whatever that team asks of him. Um, Dom Smith, ultimate team player, that's a thing. We made that a thing a couple of years ago. Dom Smith, ultimate team player. I, I think that however the team would need him, he he would be there. And I think that if Kevin Pilar playing left and Nimo in center and Conforto and right is the, the lineup that's going to get the most wins. I think everyone's going to be on board with that. And yeah, as a Dom Smith fan, sure. That's going to sting, but um, you know, that first big pinch hit home run or that first big RBI <laughs> double in a big spot, um, you know, fucking Dom Smith stand squad.
1: Yeah. I was about to say that this 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 is where the Dom Smith Sand Squad will have their moment when he comes off the bench after losing a starting role, and you know the rest will be history. We're Uh, always there. It's interesting with Lindor because I think anybody that thought that we'd be on on June 13th and Francisco Lindor's hitting 220 and even even more so, not really hitting for any power up into the last couple weeks, yeah. um, would say they've been disappointed. And my favorite thing this season has been looking at his defensive numbers sure. and realizing how much of a net positive he's still been. Mm-hmm. For him to have a 220 average, a 3.13 on base percentage, a 354 slugging percentage which is for a, a 667 OPS, which is bad. That's like yeah. worse well, than worse than Jose Reyes pre-2006 bad, okay? <laughs> Um And he still has like a 1.3 F four, Like, man, look at me. Look, he's in war, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'm able to at look least quantify. But like, I, I'm i able to at least look at that and be like, he's been dog shit at the bat, ba- at the, um, at the plate. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm trying to say. He's it. been dog shit at the plate <laughs> this year. And he's still worth more than a replacement level player, yeah. which I guess that's where I go to Dom who's at like a zero zero right now for his F war. And if you're not like, he's somebody that's going to have to either be a first baseman that can save some runs and he is a positive defensively, or he's so good of a bat that you can't, you'll live with, you know, below average left fielder numbers because he's so much of a net positive in the at the at the plate. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens. I'm hoping this does create a problem that J.D. Davis, Nimmo, McNeil, Conforto yeah. that they're all hitting when they come back so that this does actually become a dilemma. But we'll see. I, I'm not I'm not down on Dom. Like as a person, I, I love ha- I love rooting for him on my baseball team. Oh, yeah for, for I think, course. you know, for a team that has aspirations of playing deep into October, though, he's, you know, either going to have to start looking like previous versions of himself or being more of a part-time role, like you suggested.
0: Yeah. And that's fair. And I think that, you know, the situation that they're in now kind of calls for him to be in left field. And maybe he's not in there every day. And even as guys start coming back and his McKinney plays better now that Pilar is back, you know, it, it's, it's possible. We don't see Dom out there every day. And I, I'm sure that they want to have him out there as much as possible to kind of let him, just fall back into a groove, but um, yeah, it you know whatever's gonna put the team in the best position to win and um, kind of brings me to I wanted to talk a little bit about Joey Lucchese if you don't mind jumping down a stat Jake rabbit it, go hole. Go ahead, go ahead. Outstanding. So um, Joey Lucchese, we've talked about him on the show in the past. Uh, had a little, well, more than a little trouble early in the year. Um, heading into today though, our uh, Sunday, of course. Uh, he'd only have two earned runs over his last three starts, really looking like the pitcher that, you know, like I saw him come up in San Diego. I was writing for Friars on base at the time. And I said, wow, this guy can really fool guys at the plate. Um, and he doesn't do it with a lot of pitches, but you know, having just faced the Padres last weekend, even amid a really nice run um, and especially taking into consider consideration the issues he's uh, he's had facing guys a third time through the order, you know, he'd have to kind of adjust to succeed. Um, didn't have a great start on Sunday, as we said, let up the home run to t- Tommy Pham, but you saw him get better and better as the day went on. And, you know, confidence was not something that you would peg to Joey Lucchese when he first started in Queens. Um, Thomas Nito, Tomas Nito behind the plate on Sunday, was calling for churves all over the plate. It was, um, <laughs> it was really cool to see. And Nito's confidence in Lucchese, it almost appeared to give Lucchese confidence in himself. You know, he only works off two pitches. He has to be precise with his location. Seeing him kind of move things around, um, it wasn't just encouraging to see. It almost looked intentional. So last week, whether it was by design or not, and I'm try- I'm going to try and paint a picture. I swear one day we're going to try to do a YouTube thing where we could show you <laughs> graphics, but baby steps, babes. Uh, so Lucchese was putting everything everywhere last week against the Padres. Sinkers all over the place, churves all over the place. No real pattern to it. On Sunday, he was much more precise with his placement as his sinkers were landing on the inside half to lefties, outside to right-handers. The curve kind of swept across the plate in the opposite direction as the left-handed curve will. Um, but between changing, changing locations and going to the curve nearly twice as often as last time out, he created new tendencies for the Padres hitters to kind of digest and he, he wiped the slate clean. Cause again, guys pick up on his stuff very often, very quickly. I should say, he wiped that slate clean very early on and he had them guessing the rest of the day. And that it's kind of what it's all about with him. Um, if he can incorporate both of those approaches in the last two outings are into like a, in a bat by a bat basis to individual hitters. So that each time he sees a the guy, they're seeing a different Joey Lucchese. I really think that he can start to go deeper than just twice through the lineup. And take a little straight off the bullpen and, and kind of, and you don't know where he's going to be in, in a couple of months. If the Mets add guys, if Carrasco comes back, if Syndergaard miraculously comes back, um, you know, Lucchese might be a spare part, but if he can really find his way and, you know, pitch up to his potential, which we're starting to see, um, he can really be a weapon. I like where this is head. Andrew, before we move forward, are you buying any of my bullshit right now? I am.
1: I am. All right. you, you've done... The, the research and the in-depth of like how he's been successful or what he's done to be successful. So I get that. It's interesting that you bring up Nito to the, the mix. I have a, Lucchese split between the two catchers. Do you want to take a guess at how this is before today? I guess not including today because it hasn't updated yet. But do you want to take a guess at what Lucchese's ERA is with Thomas Nito catching him?
0: Before today. I, I I wish I'd paid attention more to who has been catching them lately, but I have not. I would bet I would probably say under four. Let's
1: see. I set you up. It's eight, seven, eight. Holy shit. Really? Yeah, it's really bad. Now wow. with James McCann, it's three point oh seven. So if, wow. any, if anything, this actually, I think, goes more toward because clearly, you know, he figured something out with Nito today. I credit I credit the game plan, which then goes to Hefner as to right. why all the stuff you just said has been happening, which, you know, has led to a successful pattern over the past couple of weeks. I gotta be honest, I'm not a fan of him three times through the order. I'm, I think Lucchesi at this point in, in 2021 is a guy that is your opener, you know, or your yeah. guy that after someone throws one inning or that weird, Craig Council thing where he I throws one pitch and then <laughs> the next guy's in. Um, I think he's a guy that you actually do look at the the numbers and with the bullpen, if they're healthy, I'm OK going like Drew Smith for an inning or yeah. uh, Castro for an inning. And then Lucchese takes you through the next four. And oh, okay. like, I that's like that. what I'm saying. Like, he's your perfect bullpen guy that I've been begging for the Mets to go after yeah. for the past couple of years. And, you know, I, I think the, today the thing I was even more impressed was like you faced his old team for the second time in two weeks and like had a, a pretty great performance today. Oh, yeah. So I that's where I am with Lucchese, at least. Um, I'm not I'm much more positive high on him than I am on David Peterson.
0: At the moment, I, I think Peterson's going to get there. He has the stuff to get there. And, um, you know, I talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago here. Uh, You know, you got to remember that he only had, I think it was 20 starts at double A before they called him up um, last year. So then go down to triple A and figure it out. Yeah. um, Then you get into the Kalanick mess of, are you going to develop more efficiently playing against the best competition possible? The Kalanick mess? What's the Kalanick mess? Well, other than the fact that he's a mess and we won the trade. (laughs) All right. And from my point of view, Kelly, uh-huh. he's, he's going to be an all-star one day. I, I really yeah, do. I, everybody I makes the all-star.
1: Every team gets an all-star, sure. I think Whatever. he's going to be a, a terrific ball player. Sure. He
0: really, really struggled at his first time. I think he finished 0 for 39 before they sent him down. Um, personally, I'd have kept him up, let him work out his struggles against major league pitching. I think in the long run, his development will be crisper. And, and maybe even raise his ceiling a bit instead of him just going down and mashing against AAA, play, AAA pitching. Sure. It's going to boost confidence, but it's just going to mask the problem. He's going to come back to the major leagues and, and have to adjust to major leaguers again. And he's going to be in the same spot. I think throw him into the fire, let them learn against the best. If he's got the intestinal fortitude and physical talents to do it. And of course the mental toughness to succeed in that manner. Yeah. You got yourself an all star in your hands. And I think that Peterson, while not in that like elite category that Kellenick is in, in, in his own little world, um, Kel, uh, Peterson has this stuff and, and the makeup to, to be that, I guess, to reach his potential, which might only be a number three guy, but um yeah, I, I let him learn here, but You also have to consider the situation of who's giving you the best, who's putting it, putting it in the best position to win. And until he finds consistency, it's always kind of going to be a question mark.
1: I think if the Mets brain didn't have aspirations of playing into October, if this wasn't a team looking to win a championship, fine. Let Peterson get all the growing pains out. Now um, I'm all, that's the thing. Like, I would like to see Corey Oswald to get one more shot. I would yeah. like to see other options. You know, like. Oh, it, is Oswald hurt? Hold yeah. on. Well, probably. But my point is, like, <laughs> there, there should be other options besides David Peterson at this point. Um, by yeah. the way, just to, to dance on Kellenic's grave while I can, um, <laughs> if you tomorrow got signed to a major league contract, right? And you got 92 at bats. How many hits you think you could get?
0: Against major leaguers? Yeah. Zero. Zero. Okay. Not one. I maybe I'd luck into one. Like, but, but lucky you'd get one, right? It, At most? I would have that would be astronomical luck to get one hit off Right. Major you just swing it, it you're launch
1: angling it. it, and you're like, you know what? If I, con- lo- if I make contact
0: whatever. If I make contact, it's would awesome. Fall off. If I got caught from the barrel down, my hands would fall right off my wrists. Fine. Fine. Zero is what <laughs>
1: I have a little more irrational confidence. I'll give me one or two. OK, you know, I, I we're you only I, wait,
0: I bet you I can hit 80 on the radar gun, though, that see, there you
1: go. You're <laughs> you know, those numbers like we're only eight behind what Kellenick did in his first like eight. <laughs> that's how much better he is than me. Jared Kellenick. <laughs> eight major league hits in 92 at bats. That's yeah. what that's what I got. I had to mute because people were telling me we traded away Ted Williams. Yeah,
0: it's still he He might still very well be Ted Williams. Oh, but
1: eight for 92 <laughs> isn't exactly. I don't know if
0: Ted Williams did that ever in his career. Hey, man, Mike Trout sucked when he came up, too. And he actually had to get sent back down as well. But this joke's funnier. <laughs> it's Very good. It is. You're 100% right on that
1: since we're just I don't know, I I Edwin Diaz is the closer for a first place ball club. He's looked great the last year and a half. Best in um,
0: and music in the league.
1: Uh, just, you know, personally, I like closers that get contribute toward wins. And, you know, as long as he's in the if, same
0: situation, right?
1: Maybe if your cup of tea is going eight for ninety two <laughs> in the major leagues <laughs> at the plate, then fine. Kalanick's your guy.
0: Ah. Uh. We have to revisit this in one year. Exactly.
1: Shut up! No, we don't. <laughs> I won. This is important. This is this is my version, my baseball version of the Porzingis trade. I'm taking the wins when I can. Okay. <laughs> Stop the count is where I am at this. Okay. Stop the count. We won. Yeah. Stop it. That's
0: it. Um, got the Cubs coming in. They're playing very good ball. We talked a bit about Chris Bryant, who's having a sort of a renaissance year. Um, very nice ball club. I don't know if you've seen Adbert Alzale. I don't even know if the Mets are facing him this week. They have a guy I, named
1: Wisdom that's got like a twelve hundred OPS right he's now. A Thirty yeah. year
0: old second, I think his rookie year was twenty nineteen, but he's he's up there in age for for a rookie at the time. But yeah, hidden had quite had himself quite the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I, I bring on the Cubbies as far as I'm concerned. Their bring bullpen, on. their bullpen is unreal at the moment.
0: Um, yeah, Kimbrel man. Yeah, I was talking about Kimbrell in the off season when when the Chris Bryant trade rumors were kind of blowing around. I said, "Oh, I take a flyer on Kimbrel if they're getting rid of him. I like the way that his oh, I wish I had his stats. Maybe his. I like the way his four seam or his curve was going last season, and." uh, yeah, I said, "Oh, that could be something." And look at him; he's having just an outstanding season.
1: Yeah, forty-two strikeouts to eight walks for Kimbrel. How many innings? Twenty-six and a third. Yeah, he's back. Okay, you say "yeah" as if like this isn't the guy we're about to face this weekend. It's an oh shit for me, Tim. Oh, okay, no, I don't mind. I know you enjoy when when baseball players are good, which is yeah. why you're perfect for this pod because you like baseball charges you. You know it does. Is good. It really does. Oh, I've had a lot Trevor of Trevor Williams is on this team. Is that the Trevor Williams that used to pitch for the Mets? No, it's just Trevor That's Williams. Dave Williams. Oh, there you go. He was <laughs> in MLB. Trevor Williams show, that was in, in uh, a
0: Miami a couple of years okay. ago,
1: maybe. Yeah. yeah. Now the, the Cubs have like like seven guys that have sub three ERAs in their bullpen. So I don't know if this, Nico is, this is a beat them early
0: thing. I don't know if Nico Horner's back for the Cubs. I like him, second baseman. He pulled a hamstring.
1: Yeah, sorry. Uh, you're you sure you don't play for the Mets? Because everybody on the Mets gets hurt. <laughs> By the way, I thought of a trade as we wrap up um, of a team that I'd like to ravage for their positive for their pieces at the deadline because it'll be hilarious. Um, so it so, Kluber's done for the year, so he's out. <laughs> so what if I don't want anything to do with Herman on my baseball team at all? Okay. Um. Uh, Tayon or whatever the guy that they got from the Pirates. I guess if you want to buy low because he's had a pretty bad first half of the season, you can. But I think the only solution, since the Yankees aren't going anywhere this year, is to see if they'll take David Peterson. Um, final part ways with like a Reed Foley. Uh, we'll we'll show we'll give you Jonathan VR, Kevin Pillar. Uh, we'll, and his bat will send him in a deal for Garrett Cole. Since I had to go through 2017 and 2018 of uh, the Mets are going nowhere. We should trade the Yankees to Grom and Cindergard. Well, guess what? Trade me your best pitcher. Yeah. Since you're going nowhere with your bloated payroll, we'll take <laughs> Garrett Cole off your hands and, you know, enjoy irrelevance with your manager that's also not fireable, apparently.
0: no. No, well, hey, his players like him. And I think that goes a long way. There. I didn't win for him. I'm sorry.
1: Whether your players like you or not, if you're a fourth place baseball team and you have World Series aspirations,
0: it kept Terry Collins in town for a very long time. That was a team
1: that never had the expectations that they did until 2015 yeah. when he met them. And then in 2017, the first time it seemed like they weren't meeting expectations, he retired. So now that Aaron Boone's here, since they got since they got rid of a guy that for my money was like light years better of a manager than Aaron Boone. um, Now it's hilarious. Uh, Man, the Yankee fans that I talked to that are just miserable (laughs) right now because they hate the manager, they hate the philosophy of the team. They hate that the team doesn't like it's World Series or bust. Not it's not that anymore. The, The Steinbrenner days are really done. Uh, And it's like, I may never see the Yankees win a World Series again. And I know and I go, yes, I know. And it's
0: hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, but like, you know, Yankee fans are, oh, we might not see a World Series for the next 10 years. Well, you know, the Mets fans haven't seen one. Most Shut up. Shut up. Who cares? Well, hey, the tables have turned and and the Mets fans, you know, there's a section of Mets fans that have gotten very um, entitled in the last Let's say year. Let's say uh, since Cohen came on board.
1: I wouldn't. That's not the word to use because,
0: uh, no, uh, is it?
1: No, because this is also where you just don't have the Yankee fans we did in our lives growing up where because they rooted for the Yankees, they were a better class of citizen than <laughs> we were. Very And okay. now it's like, well, welcome back to what the Braves went through, being good every year, but only winning one World Series. You're, you're now in a time, now that Rivera and Jeter and all these guys that contributed for so many years, that they're gone. Welcome yeah. to just being a normal baseball team that has regular season success and then goes through a random playoff system and tries to win a World Series and hasn't a long time. And because your expectations are so unrealistic because of Derek Jeter and Rivera and Bernie Williams and all those guys. Now your pain is so much more hilarious than my take my pain (laughs) because I'm at least not expecting a World Series anymore. I would love to see it if it happens. And I think the Mets are going to be right there this year. But allow me to laugh at all the people that told me I didn't know anything about baseball because I watch SNY over the <laughs> the channel that's named after an exclamation.
0: OK, it's <laughs> outstanding. Um, the last thing I just don't want to see Mets fans turn into Yankee fans. We're Where oh, we, ex- won't. we won't. Are you there's,
1: sure? There's way too much PTSD, Tim. I thought Did Jacob see- DeGrom retired on Friday. Night. I don't know if you saw Twitter PTSD.
0: on Sunday afternoon, but people were freaking out that the Mets lost one game after winning all these games over the last few months. So
1: people the counter were- I'll give you is that's exactly what I'm I'm making out of it, though, is <laughs> the PTSD that all the good things will eventually come to an end because the Mets like I've told you this, the fresh, the most frustrating part about the Mets is that their slogan is you got to believe and there's really no reason to believe based off watching this franchise. They have two championships. One is called a miracle and one is called the what happened to the Red Sox, the a, another chapter of a curse. It's way more about the Red Sox losing than it is the Mets winning that 86 world series, regardless of what that means to us. And every other year in their franchise, they've lost the last game of the season. So, you know, I, I think the, the way the Mets speak, beca- listen, the way the Mets become Mets fans become Yankee fans, Tim, is they win four of the next five championships. Uh-huh. And then, you know what? Let's see what happens. I'd love to see. Like, let's, let's do a character study in five years if we're looking at four out of five. And see, at that point, yeah, I'll become a little entitled because I've earned it after what I went through as a teenager with every Yankee fan from Connecticut and South Jersey and <laughs> Long Island telling me that I don't know what I'm watching because, oh, you root for Jorge Posada over Piazza. Yeah, you know more than
0: me. We're going to be doing this podcast in five years with monocles and like yeah. uh, like <laughs> handfuls of, uh, of World Series like replica rings. Like, oh, remember those days? Yes. I would love <laughs> to have
1: like a couple World Series DVDs that I could then throw my rings at people when they beat me in the regular season. Yes, my rings, because that's how Yankee fans are. We won the World
0: Series. No, you watch the World Series. So we're going to go ahead and scrap. You got to believe and just uh, replace it with like, you got to gauge your expectations. properly.
1: <laughs> no. It's, it's more like, uh, please don't die is more where <laughs> I am with the Mets. Please don't die. I was having so much fun. Please don't die. That, that's where I
0: am at this point. You got to believe dot, dot, dot. It could be a lot fucking worse. Yes, it could be worse. <laughs> there it is. You got you, it. Could be worse. That's the Mets slogan. All right. Well, on that note, Andrew, this was um, a lot of fun. I hope we can get you back here more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, we're going to be back on um, on Monday. On uh, Excuse me, today is Monday. We're going to be back on Friday, hopefully with a recap of an eventful week against the Cubbies, hopefully with more of a lead in the NL East to go ahead and gloat about with this uh, scrappy bunch of players and hopefully some more outstanding pitching to speak of. Uh, Andrew, what do you got going on in your world these days, pal? So,
1: Knicks Film School, obviously, we're in the offseason at the moment, so there's not as consistent content as we had uh, during the playoffs and obviously during the season. But we are back to our normal three-day-a-week schedule. We actually have a brand-new episode right now talking about the salary cap and what the Knicks options are going into the off offseason. So, if you're a Knicks fan and you want the most informed and in-depth discussions and coverage throughout the offseason – head on over to Nick's film school, our Twitter accounts, our Instagram, Well, John Macri, Jeremy Cohen, and myself will be uh, creating a ton of content for you through the summer. Um, And, you know, just uh, the podcast, Nick's film school, as I said, three days a week, as well as the YouTube channel at Nick's film school, we will be with you (laughs) step-by-step through the off season. uh, While when I'm not watching the Mets, which hopefully will, you know, actually cause a conflict because, you know,
0: Baseball is much more fun when your team is winning. So. Dude, it was such a cool feeling to um, have. Well, for a couple of nights, it actually worked out where I had the Islanders, the Mets, and the Knicks all on at the same time, and it was it was magical. Yeah, it you. was
1: for you. Yeah,
0: my team my my was like, hey, "How are you doing this?" I said, "Don't you worry, hon." <laughs> so <Soaking laughs> my, my hockey team in.
1: didn't make the playoffs, so I don't I don't have this. I didn't have this problem. <laughs> yeah, my, the Rangers thought about me. Knew I only had two screens. Thank you, team. <laughs> New York Rangers that fired
0: your coach three See, days I, I, last week of the season. What was it, 2014? The Rangers went to the Cup. Yes. Yeah, I watched that like with full in. Like I, I was hoping the Rangers would win. I, I don't get the whole rooting against the other. I know you don't. I know you don't. I know you are the minority. In I this am, team.
1: especially since the Rangers and Islanders are division rivals. It Dude, makes a ranked, lot of sense Ranger to root fan. against. Them. So why was are you ranked, still a Ranger
0: fan? I was raised a ranger fan. And yeah, uh, why aren't you I'm, still I'm a ranger outlaw. fan? Why aren't you still a ranger fan? Then? Why not? Yeah. I fell in love with fish sticks. What's oh, is I that know, that the, the fisherman the, logo. All right. Oh, so, okay. Um, all right. So I enjoyed 94. We'll do this briefly before we wrap up. I enjoyed okay. 94. I was 11 in 94, went to the parade, went to the banner raising the next year. Uh, my uncle had season tickets to the Islanders through Chase Bank. I'm sorry. Chemical Bank at the time, which is okay. what it was called. Uh, took us to the, I guess it was the home opener a couple of nights after the Isle, the Rangers raised their banner, which was after a lockout, I believe. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we have been to a bunch of Ranger games and went to these Island, the Islander game. And, you know, the first goal they scored, the place exploded. I'd never felt energy like that before. And uh said, oh, I like these guys. And my buddy's aunt had season tickets through high school. We went to a bunch of games and... Yeah, I fell in love with these losers. I think I have a, a predisposition to blue and orange. OK, that's fair. I yeah, I, I guess I, so. I've tried fair, to figure it out, but that's the best I got.
1: I, I think I, there will not be. I've been rooting against the Islanders this entire postseason. Now for <laughs> you, like I'm happy my friend has experienced joy, but it's been at my misery, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I get it. I totally get
1: it. I don't think you do because you actually would like. Why can't everybody win?
0: You know? Yeah. Why? why, We should throw a parade for both teams if (laughs) there's one. No, no, we will not be throwing a parade for. Oh, that's where you draw the line. We'll give them a hearty a hearty applause. Like great job.
1: No, you boom off the ice and then you (laughs) chant that Potvin sucks. Okay, that's what you do.
0: Hey, I was at Fish. The probably the last live show I went to was a Fish show. And it was at the Garden and they they squeezed a Potvin sucks chant tune into the end of a jam. Good. My heart heart broke a little bit, but it was actually good. Good. I'm not like, you
1: know, Boston where we're throwing water bottles at Kyrie, but I like when when (laughs) crowds do things that create hostile environments is what I'll say. Not when you cross the line and cross into the field of play and dehumanize players, but I've actually actually really liked that MSG was a tough place to play for a couple of games. I just wish the Knicks also cooperated and made it a tough place to play. But that also speaks to Friday night, like standing up every time DeGrom got to two strikes was like, this is what I love about sports. This is a communal aspect. I know none of these people around me, but we're all doing the exact same thing because a guy that doesn't know who I am might strike out another guy who doesn't know who I am. That's right. And that's that's what makes sports
0: beautiful. If I leave my seat, none of it will happen. So I have to stay right there. In. You go. I
1: totally left once
0: the grom was taken out. Of <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, guys. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, Sunday at the Apple, we did talk a little bit about that community feeling that we were feeling on Saturday at, uh, at City Field. Check that out. Again, keep it locked onto the Apple. Everything goes there after it comes to simply amazing. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Friday. Andrew, thank you so much again for stopping by. This was uh, a lot of fun, man. As always, buddy. All right. All right, everybody. We'll see you later. Let's go Mets. Peace.